Watts Jones, big run on the outside. Dylan on the bottom, slides up right to the tail of the five. Here they come for the checkered flag. Kyle Larson keeps that surfboard trophy in California. Welcome back to Full Tank with Phil, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And, well, you heard it there. The Fontana ending ends with Kyle Larson as your winner. And on this episode, we are going to have to recap Fontana and what happened this past weekend because there are a lot of takeaways and things that need to be discussed. And uh, we'll revisit how we did with our bets. It was kind of an up and down weekend. So we will dive into that to start this week's episode. And then we will shift gears, focusing on the second leg of this West Coast Swing Las Vegas, that is where they are headed this coming weekend, and we will talk about the track itself, track stats, getting prepared, what's our strategy, the stats that we're going to be looking at, and then get down to brass tacks, picking winners, finishing position bets, head-to-heads, the whole nine yards, everything that we usually do, and then at the very end, not a rant this week, but I want to talk a little bit about the trucks, because we got Friday Night Lights this weekend in Vegas as well, so pretty excited about that. There's a couple things that we want to call out heading into that race. So a lot to get to on this episode. So let's start with Fontana and Auto Club Speedway. It was a very good race, in my opinion. Let's start. I mentioned it earlier. Kyle Larson is your winner, and he was the favorite heading into that race. And if, you know, we were to fast forward a week from when I was recording the auto club episode i'd be like yeah of course you know kyle larson he's the favorite all right must have been a pretty boring race well that was not the case whatsoever it was actually one of the most entertaining races i can remember not at daytona or talladega uh in a long time really and that's because this next gen car maybe actually is for real there was a lot of great action up front and throughout the the field People were challenged in practice, challenged in qualifying. You could tell right from Saturday afternoon that this was going to be, you know, something that the drivers were going to have to overcome. And that's what they've been saying about this race car is that it puts it more in the hands of the drivers. That was very obvious in the practice and qualifying sessions. We had people spinning out and wrecking. So the race itself, we had people like Tyler Reddick up front. Heartbreak for Reddick. Heartbreak for anyone who had him with a win total over 0.5, like yours truly. But in any case, I mean, Tyler Reddick dominating the race up front was a surprise. You know, as much as we like to say he's someone that we're calling out as a a guy who's going to break out this year, that's a surprise at a racetrack like this. Now, we're going to talk about our bets, uh, but guys like Eric Jones and Suarez, you know, guys that are unexpectedly up front, Austin Dillon with a second-place finish. Um, so the next-gen car really seems like, at least through one race, bringing parity to the sport, which is what they advertised it um, as during the offseason and all the testing at the end of last year. So maybe there's something to it. We'll talk about Vegas in a second, but through Auto Club, 
It was very interesting. And, and Larson gets it done, you know, through all of that, which is great. You know what I mean? You had all that action, a lot of battles, different guys, different faces up front battling for the lead. And then, you know, a, a big time name breaks through and, and gets the job done in the end. So he was forced to overcome a little bit more adversity than maybe he was used to in the past. So all in all, great race. Um, talking about our bets. So had kind of a, a up and down weekend. And overall, I think it was positive. Now I copped out on picking a third winner. And I just said, hey, take the whole Chevy camp plus 100. That's what I did. And threw a bit more money down on it than I would a single driver. And that paid out because I really didn't know what driver. I, I think I called Larson out and said, you know, looking at the stats, he doesn't scream to me. Uh, but, you know, maybe there is something to it. And well, sure enough, he got it done. So I was happy that I went with the Chevy camp there. I called out Eric Jones as someone to take in a head-to-head matchup. And on Instagram, I threw him in as a top 10 pick. That ended up being a beautiful pick, as well as Austin Dillon, plus 200 with a top 10. I kind of wish, you know, in retrospect, hindsight 2020, man, a top five would have been even better uh, payout. But I will take plus 200 all day for Austin Dillon. So we're pretty happy about those two guys. The head-to-head matchups, I can tell you right now, I so I hit the one with Eric Jones against Daniel Suarez, which was a barn burner. I mean, that came down to the very end. Jones passed him on the last couple laps, and they finished 2-3. I thought they were going to be battling for, like, 20th. But, no, and, and we called that out as a specific matchup to watch to see if there actually is maybe a change, a swing in the pendulum. Will there be a possibility for some of these lower end teams to compete. And man, that was a fantastic matchup to watch all day. And we came out victorious there. The other two, I was a bit let down. I feel like I went three and zero. we made the right choices. We just got some bad luck. One of which was chase versus Larson. And obviously there was a lot of talk. NASCAR radio, I guess is probably bombarded, excuse me, bombarded this week with Elliott fans complaining about Kyle Larson's move, where he put his teammate into the wall. Uh, But that was very interesting. Kyle Larson put a a squash of that. At least he tried to right away. But, you know, Chase is not one to forget things. He seems to have a lot of run-ins with people, honestly. And uh, he he doesn't forget things very easily. So that was one. And then uh, William Byron got caught up in a a wreck, and uh, he he was done. It was very strange situation. It was the same uh, situation where Reddick blew a tire and then Byron just like got into him. That kind of ended Byron's day as well as Reddick. So um, interesting there. You know, I, I felt like I made the right choices because both Chase and Byron were performing very well, but hey, didn't work out. Kyle Busch uh, called him out to win the race, was let down there. He had some trouble early. We're going to talk about them in a second. And then uh, Truex, very strange. You know, he would come out of uh, pit road in a good position, and then the restarts, he, he just had nothing. And I guess let's start talking about a, a big takeaway that we're going to transfer into this next race and beyond. Because you know, the next gen cars. Larry Mack did a great job calling this out once again on the broadcast. The thing that's kind of cool about it is that the different manufacturers have opportunities to 
do things that are manufacturer specific to the race car. And there's one of those things that's, I guess it's a, a cooling element to it and how that takes place through the, the engine and, and up out the top of the vehicle. Toyota was struggling with that across the board. JGR was just absolutely crippled by this. Christopher Bell, someone that I threw some money in on race day to win a group, he was he finished dead last. And I think that's two races in a row now at Fontana that he finished dead last. That impacted Kyle Busch as well. Uh, Truex, I think, was impacted just by the way, you know, his restarts were and everything. And then Denny Hamlin ran into trouble there as well. I mean, he, he had a rough end of the race, and I imagine that that was part of it. So Toyota is a little sketchy. They got to figure that out. I mean, do you really feel like you want to put money down on Toyota when they're having these troubles uh, early in the season? It, it could take them a few races to get to the bottom of that. With this next car, next-gen car, there are going to be things like this that didn't show up in testings that are going to rear Ted, and this is definitely one of them. So I'm kind of avoiding Toyota, at least for the, the big bets, you know, the, the winners and things like that, early in uh, the, the Vegas week. We'll see how the head-to-head matchups turn out here. But um, right now, where I'm sitting, I, I don't think I'll take a, a Toyota to win the race, just because I, I need to see that play out a little bit further. Um, another thing that was interesting was the, the flat tire situation. And I was listening to the Teardown podcast with Jeff Gluck and Jordan Bianchi, former guest of uh, our podcast, and they were talking about how these cars, there's there's got to be a situation now because multiple cars, Reddick included, right, they blow these tires and then they have to get hooked up to the, the tow truck to get back to pit road, and that essentially you know, pretty much ends their race. And what's happening is the tow truck drivers are actually damaging the vehicles just by hooking them up. And so there's a big discussion in NASCAR that is talking about how can we fix this? How can we make it so that if you just blow a tire and you can't get back to pit road, you know, there's a way that your race isn't officially over. Uh, And that's a big discussion right now. That would have helped me out. And it's definitely going to help gamblers out because if you just get a taste of that bad luck, it doesn't necessarily mean that your bet is over. So I am anxious to see what NASCAR comes up with. Austin Dillon, according to Jeff Gluck, said that they were uh, working on something for Vegas. I don't know if they'll have that big of a turnaround, but we'll see. So a lot of takeaways. And because of all this, because this was successful, there's even talk that they'll delay that short track construction that they were going to do. I mentioned it last week on the Auto Club episode how they announced they were going to do a short track, but I couldn't find anything in the news like when that's going to happen. Well, that's because they actually didn't make the decision yet. So now there's a lot of discussion in NASCAR saying, well, maybe we just hold on for another year or two before we do this because the race was so entertaining. What this does to me is checks the box to say, okay, you know, this this looked good. Now, what's it going to look like on a mile and a half racetrack? So that's where Las Vegas comes in. So that's the segue here into the conversation around Vegas because it was good at California, two mile, you know, open track. The true test, I think, is the cookie cutter tracks, and and Vegas is one of those. So can they do it again? Can this next gen car come out and you know we still have parity on the racetrack at Vegas? That's probably making this one of the most anticipated Vegas races in a long time. I know that I am never usually like super anxious to watch Vegas. I mean, the playoff race, yeah, there's implications there, but 
um, for the most part, it's like, oh yeah, okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm geared up for Vegas. I got my bets. I'm anxious to see this outside of the gambling aspect of it. So hold on to your popcorn or get your popcorn ready. Hold on to your butts, whatever they say, because it's uh, going to be an interesting race this Sunday. So let's talk about Vegas. This is a racetrack that had just one race per year all the way up until 2018. And that's when they gave them a second race. I think they took it from New Hampshire and gave it to Vegas and made it part of the playoffs because Vegas was doing so well with that single race per year slot. So NASCAR rewarded them in that area. So looking at the track stats, we've had 28 races here all time at Las Vegas. We've had one winner win from the pole, and that was Kyle Busch all the way back in 2009. So it doesn't happen very often, only one time. The top five, we've only had a winner starting in the top five 35% of the time. That's pretty low compared to what we're used to seeing. And then starting in the top 10, only 57% of the time. That is definitely an interesting stat. So with qualifying back this year, it's not necessarily an absolute given that you have a driver starting in the top 10. If you bet on somebody early in the week and you see that they don't make the top 10 in qualifying, it's not the end of the world for you. So you can feel a little bit more comfortable placing bets earlier. That's what I'm seeing with these stats. Outside of the top 20, we've had a winner start outside five times. The last time it happened was Martin Truex Jr. in 2019. He started 24th, so a little further back there. As far as manufacturer trends, Ford actually pretty dominant at this racetrack. If you look at the last 10 races, Ford has won five of those 10 races, which is a great percentage, right? But then you dig in a little bit deeper. They haven't won in the last three tries. So it's a kind of a six in one hand, half dozen in the other type of deal. You know what I mean? Do you think that Ford, you look at the first stat, you say, wow, Ford dominates. But then more recently, now they're over. So it's pretty tough here. And then another interesting thing here is that we've had a different driver win the race at Vegas six out of the last seven times. Joey Logano is the only repeat in that time span. So, you know, we got a, a lot of different drivers here showing that they have the ability to get it done, which is um, pretty interesting from a fan's perspective. And then you want to kind of take that in consideration. I don't know if you throw all your eggs in that basket, uh, but, you know, something to consider as you're making your picks, at least to win the race and beyond. So looking at the stats that I'm going off of this week, the database that I'm using is actually only looking at the last nine races. So when I'm calling out things like average finish and driver rating, that's what I'm going off of the last nine races. If I dip outside of that and go 10 races back, I will be sure to call that out in that situation. Uh, but, you know, I think that this is really about finding out if this mile and a half racetrack is going to support great racing like we saw a week ago, or if last week was a bit of a fluke. And, you know, we are going to get the same kind of cookie cutter, strung out racing like we're used to at these mile and a half. So with all that being said, let's start talking about winners. And I have to start with the top of the board this week. And I'm going with the favorite. The first guy I'm going to call out as far as putting money down on is the favorite, Kyle Larson. He is going off right now at plus 500. Now, the interesting thing about Larson is when he opened on DraftKings, which is the plus 500 number right now, he opened at plus 600. 
and then was bedded down to 550 and now 500. On other books, like Barstool, MGM, they have him as low as plus 300. So what that's telling me is that, you know, there's some good value there for Kyle Larson, even though you didn't get him at plus 600, if you, you know, weren't paying attention right away, like me, kind of let that play a little bit, let that simmer. I was struggling with the concept of, you know, do I take Larson back to back as the favorite? Uh, But I'm all over this plus 500. I don't want to see it dip any further and miss out on it. Uh, Because looking at a high level, Kyle Larson doesn't scream at you as far as, you know, somebody who's really good at Vegas. Does that sound familiar? I mean, that's pretty much what happened last week at Fontana is what I said. You know, he, he clearly is very good. He's got everything clicking right now, but I just don't see it in the stats. He's not jumping out at me. Vegas is kind of a similar situation here, but if you dig in a little bit further, it actually starts to pop up as to why he's favored. So if you're looking at the last nine races, it's actually eight for him. So that time span compared to everyone else of nine races, he missed the fall 2020 race for obvious reasons that we won't rehash. So in that time span, eight races, one win, four top fives, seven top tens. Seven for eight, the top ten. His average finish is 5.9. That's third compared to everyone. And his driver rating is also third, 108.6. So that tells you right away. He's third and third, and those two categories are two big ones. That's impressive. But if you look at last year, my God, last year was great for Kyle Larson. He won the spring race, and then he finished 10th in the fall playoff race, and he led at least 95 laps in both of those races. So I don't remember what happened to him in that fall race last year, but just looking at those stats, it's telling me that you know he, he's picking up right where he left off. Now, he's got four top threes in the last eight races. So if you're not digging, you know, back-to-back winners, which I can totally see, right? There, there have been times in the past where I've completely avoided back-to-back winners. But Kyle Larson last year kind of got me over that fear. Um, if you do have that skepticism, that's fine. I'm with you. Taking Kyle Larson plus 100 right now on DraftKings to finish in the top three is also a pretty damn solid value, considering the fact that he did it 50% of his time in the last eight races starting in Vegas. So Kyle Larson is worth your attention this week. Don't just, you know, overlook him because he won last week. And, you know, you're thinking, oh, you know, all the parity, next-gen cars, everybody else is stepping up. Give him a closer look. I'm in on a plus 500 and the plus 100 top three pick as well. So that's Kyle in the Chevy. Now my mind was going to, okay, I got to look at Team Penske because historically at Vegas, Penske is damn good. There was one episode a few years back when we came to Vegas in the first uh, race of that year, and I took all three Penske drivers at that time uh, just because I was, you know, hellbent on saying, like, these guys dominate this racetrack. Because at the time, they did. But like I said, Ford's in a a three-race drought. So my mind was going, okay, well, if I'm liking Penske, who am I going to go with here? And I'm going to talk about Cindric in just a bit. But to me, it was kind of between Logano and Blaney. And after seeing what Ryan Blaney's pit crew did to him last Sunday at Auto Club, I was like, okay, I can't possibly bet on him until I see that that is fixed. 
You know what I mean? Like that was embarrassing. What happened with Blaney? He had a vehicle that was very much in the race. I'm glad that I didn't bet on him to win because he had cars that could get it done. He was passing people left and right. And every single time he went down pit road, he would come out and he'd be losing four spots. Like it, it was crazy. Have not seen that out of that 12 team before that I can remember. Uh, so they get, they have to correct that right away. You know what I mean? If I'm going to start throwing my money back down on the 12, because I do think they're going to have a big year, still early, very early, third race of the year, I need to see something better than what we saw last week. You know, And if you remember, I kind of said about Austin Sindrick heading into the Daytona 500, I didn't like what I saw at the Clash, and I need to see something better. Um, so maybe I'm you know, putting a jinx out there, but I'm fine with that if I'm jinxing Blaney for the good. Um, but that leads me with Logano, right? So if I'm putting Blaney aside for now because of the pit road issues, that gives me Joey. And I feel like he's a very logical choice. He's going off at plus 750 right now. And looking at his stats in his last nine races, two wins, four top fives, seven top tens. Average finish is fourth compared to everyone in the field, 6.7. And his driver rating is second compared to everyone, 109.3. That is damn good. But here's the other thing about Logano. If you're looking at specifically the spring races, that's really where he excels. Just listen to his last five finishes in the spring race. Ninth, first, first, seventh, and second. That's damn good. So if Logano is going to get it done, then it's probably going to be in this early season race at this racetrack. Then you look at this season. I'm going to include the clash a couple times here when I'm talking about some of these guys on this episode because we're starting to now get a, a glimpse of some of the, the stats like green flag speed, you know. And this season, Logano, he is the best right now in green flag speed through three races. He was second in the clash, first at Daytona, and fifth last week at Auto Club. And it's kind of sneaky good, right? Because he's not someone who's been like, dominating or really doing much of anything as far as leading races, but he's there. So he's got the vehicle, you know, they're, they're just off a little bit and kind of maybe you'd say one change away from going out and getting it done. So it's early, but it's still something good to kind of keep your eye on. Now, there's a stat here that I think is very interesting. So try to bear with me because I hope I'm able to explain this right. There's a stat that's called the closer stat. And what this is, it's looking at the last 10% of the race, all right? Positions within that last 10% of the race gained or lost. And this is, for Logano, 2.2 within that last 10% of the race. That's telling you that he's able to pass cars, on average, two guys in the last 10% of the race. And looking at it, he has the highest differential there and the best average finish, so that's telling you that he's someone who is able to come to life late at this racetrack and get it done. There are a couple guys who have a higher closer stat than Logano, but they're, some of them are back markers who are kind of gaining positions deep in the field. Others have way higher average finish than him. So this stands out to me because it tells me that if he's able to avoid any problems, he's able to run his race, you know, stay out of trouble, then... That last part of that race, he's able to step up and get it done. And I want a guy like that in my corner. So plus 750 is damn good. Um, 
So he's led at least one lap in nine of the last 10 races. That's impressive as well. The only time he didn't do it was, well, last fall, actually. So like we said, spring race is more his thing. I love this value at plus 750. So if I'm taking a Penske car to win, I'm going to go with Logano this week in that 22 car. So now the last guy that I'm going to call out to win the race, I'm thinking, you know, the odds, I'm taking some guys off the bat that are towards the higher part of the list. And I've been going on about this next-gen car, you know. So who's somebody further down that would like to take a little bit of a long shot on? Can we dig into anything that would lead us in any one direction for taking somebody off the beaten trail? And I'm going to go plus 1,400 on Tyler Reddick. Yeah, it might be a pretty popular pick. I don't know. Uh, it's the hot hand right now. He's very, he's got the spotlight on him. Very popular. He's the, the media darling right now, but it's because he's looked so good. He was dominant at California. Dominant. And actually, if you want to take it a step further, both races in California, he was dominant and then got some bad luck, mechanical issues at the clash and then a blown tire, uh, just a week ago at auto club. So that race team is on it. They are just getting bad luck. So if you want to try to pick a winner, a little bit of a longer shot here, Tyler Reddick at plus 1,400 definitely stands out. He's got four starts in the Cup Series at Las Vegas and only one top 10. So his stats here are definitely leading you to why he's plus 1,400. The stats actually should probably dictate maybe a little longer odds, but I think the sports books are aware how he's been racing this year, so um, these don't mean as much to them. His average finish here is 21.0. That's not great. And his driver rating is 69.3. Also not great. Uh, but his positives, all right? He finished sixth last time here in the fall. So he's learning. And he was learning kind of trial by fire because, do you remember... They call it out, or we call it out a bunch. They didn't have practice and qualifying for his entire career. Um, any race that he's raced, he has not had practice or qualifying. So that's going to be very valuable this weekend for him to get that time on the track and try to take advantage of it to see if they can parlay that into some more success. Because of that no practice and qualifying last year, he actually um, raced the Xfinity race there last year. He ran in the 23 car. He started 40th, went all the way up to 12th. So some valuable experience in that car. And in the Xfinity series, he has had some success You know, before he reached the Cup Series. He had a win here a couple years back. So there is definitely some positives that you can call out here. And if you want a little bit better or, or you know less risky bet, top five plus 130 is what you're getting right now for Tyler Reddick. That could be interesting, too. So if you feel like he's still not going to be able to get it done, but he'll be able to keep it together and keep uh, some positive momentum to finish a race, there you go, plus 130 for the top five in that eight car. So he's my longer shot. Still not going too far down the list, you know, but I think it's, uh, if we're looking for somebody, I like Tyler Reddick plus 1,400. And to recap the other two, Joey Logano, plus 750, and our favorite, Kyle Larson, plus 500 right now. Get him while you can, because that number might go down. Vegas, baby! Vegas! So let's talk some finishing position bets. I kind of threw in a couple there with a couple top five values while we were talking about the picks to win the race. But there are some other guys that I want to call out for top tens 
that are really standing out to me because I went on a bit of a rant last week saying that the sports books are kind of screwing us with these values. But I think what we saw is really, at least last week, there are opportunities for off the beaten path drivers to really step up and kind of shock some people. We saw it last week with Jones, Dylan, Suarez. So who's to say that these guys that we're going to talk about this week can't get it done? So I'm back to feeling good about throwing some money down on some of these longer shots uh, because anyone can throw, you know, the the big money, uh, Joey Logano minus like 500 to finish in the top 10. Yeah, no one wants to take that bet. We're going with the, the longer shots to try to cash in a bigger ticket like we did last week, plus 200 with Austin Dillon and Eric Jones, like plus 140, I believe he was. So let's get to it. I'm going to start with Ricky Stenthouse Jr. He's going at plus 170 on DraftKings right now. And this is why I love gambling on NASCAR, because just a couple weeks ago, he was my villain. I was fading him at Daytona. I was betting against him nonstop. Now I'm on the Ricky Stenhouse train here. He's had a surprisingly good start to the season. He was pretty solid at Daytona, very pesky, you know, if you were betting against him. He did end up getting caught up in some, some mess there, but um, finished in the 20s. But that's fine. You know, he was racing very well, and then he finished 10th on Sunday which was definitely a surprise. I mean, there were a lot of drivers that stepped up to the plate and kind of surprised people, Stenhouse being one of them. So looking at Stenhouse's stats, you might be a little scared off, but I do have a feather on my cap here that's going to maybe swing you to my line of thinking in wanting to take a shot here on this guy. Now, his last nine starts, he has one top five and two top tens. Not great. You know, nine starts, two top tens. That's that's an okay percentage for a longer shot, but not as good as I would like. His average finish is 18.1. That definitely makes the blood run cold a little bit. But here's the stat that I like. The last spring races for Stenhouse, his finishes were 11th, 3rd, 6th, 14, and 12th. His average finish being 9.2 in his last five spring races. So we talked about how Logano likes the spring. So does this guy, Ricky Stenhouse. 9.2? That gives me the opportunity to be in the game here. He likes this spring race better. Something about it. You know, maybe it's not as hot out in that desert uh, this early in the year. So even the ones that missed... You know, in those last races that I just mentioned, 11th, 12th, 14th, he's giving you a shot. And if something happens to the other guys around him, he's there. He's Johnny on the spot. So 9.2 is his average finish in the spring races. I'm liking that. And then his speed last week was seventh fastest out of everyone. I mean, that's that's not what I expected out of this team. So plus 170, I'm into that value to finish in the top 10. So let's go Ricky Stenhouse and get it done for us. The next one I'm calling out here is kind of a combo deal, all right? So bear with me as I talk this through because I'm talking about Austin Sendrick and Brad Kozlowski. Their odds are relatively close together here, all right? Looking at this, Sendrick is going off at plus 100 to finish in the top 10. Brad Kozlowski is minus 105, so that's almost as close as you can possibly get. I would imagine that one of these books is going to have these two going head-to-head, which would be very interesting. But the reason I'm combining them together is because obviously Brad was driving the two car for so long. So let's talk about Brad's stats here at Las Vegas. 
He is a bona fide machine dominating in the past at this racetrack. He's always been great. Average finish is first on the circuit, 5.1. Drive rating is fifth, 104.3. One win, five top fives, eight top tens in his last nine starts. So you're telling me, right, that you're able to get a guy who has eight top tens in his last nine starts at this racetrack for minus 105? Like, that doesn't compute, right? Well, obviously he's in a new team. But that value sounds good to me, you know? So this brings up the question, is this a decision about, or or were those stats, I guess, the better way to put it, more on the Penske 2 car, or was it Brad Keselowski wheeling that car to those top 10s? That's the decision you got to make, because if you think it's Brad, then you should feel comfortable, minus 105, taking Brad for a top 10. If you think it's the Penske 2 team, well... Let me remind you about Austin Sendrick, our Daytona 500 champion, because he, being a rookie, doesn't have any cup starts here, but he's got eight Xfinity starts at this racetrack, three top fives, five top tens, and five straight top ten finishes in the Xfinity series. Last week, his green flag speed was eighth compared to everyone, so the value is there. Penske loves this racetrack. I talked about how I was going back and forth between who am I going to take on the Penske crew, right, Who to win the race. Well, Sindrick at plus 100 seems like damn good value for a top ten, if you believe in his abilities, plus you think that you know Penske and that team contributed a lot to Brad Keselowski's success. So I'm calling them both out together because they are kind of conjoined at the hip, at least until we get more of a, a book on Cindric. So and and Brad for that matter in the six car. So I think both of these are worth looking at. And I shit, I could probably throw money down on both of these. So um, lock me in for both, and we'll see what comes out after the smoke clear. So Cindric plus 100 and Brad minus 105 in the top 10. Now let's talk about my last top 10 pick. And this is the long shot, the big one. All right. Eric Almarola plus 250. This is my value play. Here's the stat that NASCAR and Fox put out there on Instagram earlier this week. In the first two races, we've had 19 different drivers finish in the top 10. That's the most since 1973. There's only been one guy who's had back-to-back top 10s, and it's your boy, Eric Almarola. That is surprising. All right, he's he did it at Daytona, and he did it last week. And he showed so much heart, I would say, at Auto Club, because they were like kind of down and out. They had a, a situation early that they were able to overcome and sneakily work their way back, mine their P's and Q's back into the top 10, and all of a sudden the race is over and everyone's looking up saying, wow, you know, where did he come from? Same with Harvick. Stuart Haas Racing crew is really starting to come around a little bit. So I think, you know, it's it's maybe a rebound season, reloaded a little bit. They're not the fastest car, you know, looking at the green flag speed this year. Amarola is definitely not in that top 10. He's right around mid-pack in the, the teens. So that just tells you that they're taking advantage of their opportunities on pit road, and he's just keeping his self together, keeping the car clean as much as he can, and, and just getting it done nice and quiet. And there's nothing wrong with that. Now, his stats at 
Vegas are, are not great. You know, three top tens in nine races, 33%. That gives you something to shoot for there. You're in the ball game. Average finish is 16.1. Driver rating, 76.0. But the thing is, he has found flashes in the pan at this racetrack. He ripped off three straight top 10 finishes, 2018 through 19. So they found something there. And, you know, this is the super value pick here in the top 10. So can they keep it together and get another top 10 in a row to start the season, make it three in a row? Um, I would say that that's very possible. I mean, with this whole parody situation that we're working ourselves into here, we're talking a lot about it on this episode. He's someone that stands out to me as, as long as they keep doing what they're doing. Why wouldn't he be in that conversation? So um, lock me in plus 250 for a top 10 for that 10 car, Eric Almarola. So it's him, Cindric at plus 100, Brad at minus 105, and Ricky Stenhouse plus 170 in our finishing position picks. Firm, but with little give. Yep, these are medium rare. What if somebody wants theirs well done? We ask them politely yet firmly to leave. So now let's get to the head-to-head matchup section. Like I said, last week we went one and two, but I really felt like we had the right choices, if that makes sense. I think we made educated decisions and and threw money down on those guys. And, you know, fate did not agree with us, but I think uh, they were logical choices. And that's where I want to go back to this week. You know, maybe we can get some better luck on our side. So the first matchup that I have here, and all of them are on DraftKings at this moment. Some are on uh, a couple others, MGM and Barstool. The first one that I'm looking at is Cole Custer as the favorite, minus 120, versus Chris Buescher, plus 100. So this is a solid matchup of guys who are, you know, lower-tier teams, lower-tier drivers, I guess, in the scheme of things, guys that would be very happy to make the playoffs, I guess. And the fun thing about this matchup is the fact that even though Busher has been around longer than Cole Custer, We've got apples-to-apples comparisons within the last four races because that's when they've been at their strongest teams. So, Busher obviously was on uh, the JTG Doherty Racing team at one point, but now he's over in the 17 car, and that's the same time that Cole Custer joined the 41 car. Um, so, we have that good comparison. You know, that's their strongest cars that they've been in. Um, so let's start by looking at Cole Custer because he's our favorite and he's finished 11th last week. That's very solid for them. A lot of eyes on Stuart Haas, at least my eyes are on Stuart Haas, trying to see, you know, will they be able to bounce back? So far, so good, I would say, for Stuart Haas Racing. They're hanging in there. They're doing what they're asked of, I guess, and Cole Custer finishing 11th is part of that. But with Vegas, it's been pretty rough for Cole uh, in his five starts. He had one start that was not uh, in the 41 car before he was officially a a cup driver. But in five starts, he has two top 20s to show for it. And his best finish was 16th, and that was in the 2020 playoff race. So that is a little bit concerning. Last year, he did not finish on the lead lap in the two races at Vegas. His average finish is 22.8, and driver rating, this is a big one that stands out, 50.8. 
That is just really scary if you are a Cole Custer fan and if you're someone who has already thrown money down on Cole as the favorite. So the question is, why is he the favorite? Right? Those stats are terrible. Is it a little bit of recency bias? Cole finishes 11th last week, and we're saying, wow, okay, they're back, or, or that team is legit. Um, I, I don't understand the, the odds here, minus 120. So then you look at Chris Buescher, because you could be saying to yourself, all right, well, maybe the 17 is just dismal, worse than that. Uh, but it's not really that case. So Busher off to a little bit different start for the season, whereas Custer's kind of hanging in there if the, the season were to end today. We're, we're already using that phrase, two races in. But he's in the 16th spot, so he'd make the playoffs. He's in that bubble realm at the moment. Busher is all the way back in 22nd in standings because he had some unfortunate luck in the first two races of the year. But the thing is, they brought decent race cars to the track, and they were competitive until they ran into their issues. Now, looking at Busher at Vegas, his last nine races, he has one top 10, five top 15s, and seven top 20s. All right, so you remember what we were saying about Custer, only two top 20s ever in five starts. Average finish is 16.8. His driver rating 63.8, not great, but it's much, much better than Cole's was. And we talked about that apples-to-apples apples compar comparison when, you know, Cole is in the 41, Busher's in the 17. Well, in those four races, Busher has a 4-0 to zero advantage head-to-head -head in those races. He has never lost to Cole Custer at Vegas head-to-head. -head. So why is he the underdog? I don't understand. I'm someone who likes to call out value when we can get it, especially um, in a head-to-head -head situation. So plus 100 for Chris Busher, mark me down. I'm into that. And uh, I, I think everything that we're pointing to here with these stats makes sense. You know, there hasn't been anything so far this season that would make me say, okay, well, Cole Custer has it going on right now. Like, that's why he's favored. It just doesn't make sense. So when it doesn't compute, we're going to go with the underdog and try to cash in on a better value ticket. So Chris Bush is our first pick here in the head-to-head -head section. The next one I have for you is a bit of a powerhouse matchup. And it's Ryan Blaney, a slight favorite, minus 115, to Denny Hamlin's minus 105. So very close in the odds here. And this is an interesting one because they're both guys that have championship aspirations, right? Not the Bushers and Custers of the world who would be happy to make the playoffs. No, these guys want to make that championship four at Phoenix. And they both have had their trouble, uh, especially last week. So we called out the Toyota problems and... You know, the overheating situation, so that's affecting Denny Hamlin. And earlier, I think I did mention how Ryan Blaney's pit crew was a problem. So both these guys have problems that they're going to need to hopefully be working on this week, discussing as a team and seeing, you know, what's going to change this coming week at Vegas. I'm really hyper-focused on that. You know, do these teams have enough time to make changes for the better in that time frame? So we'll start taking a look at Denny Hamlin. Because he was our winner last time we came to Vegas in the fall 2021 race. He won that race after a long season of not winning. Hamlin finally snags a win there late in the year to start the playoffs. Uh, in his last nine races at Vegas, he has one win, three top fives, five top tens. Pretty damn good. Average finish is 11.7. That's good enough for seventh on the circuit. So now, you know, we're talking about guys who are going to be up there. 
right? His driver rating is eighth on the circuit, 98.6. He led 137 laps last fall. That is just a car and a team that was on it. And in his last three races at Vegas, it's really looking good for Denny Hamlin because he has that win. He also had a fourth place and a third place finish. And he led 47 laps and 120 laps in those other two races. So he's leading a ton of laps, finishing great, really great in these last few races here. And in those three race in that three race span, he has a three nothing lead over Blaney head to head. So you'd say to yourself, okay, this seems like an open shut case. So then let's take a look at Ryan Blaney because he doesn't have a win at Vegas, but in nine starts, he's got five top fives and seven top tens. So those are both slightly more than Hamlin across the board. Average finish, better than Hamlin, 8.0. It's also good enough for fifth out of everyone in NASCAR. And his drive rating is 102.1. That's seventh. Again, better than Hamlin for both of those stats. Last year, he finished fifth at Vegas in both races. Now, he still lost to Hamlin head-to-head because Hamlin had that win in a fourth place. But if you go all the way back eight races, it's a 4-4 ball game head-to-head. So this is my thought process here. I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney here for a number of different reasons. For one, if you look at all of his finishes, he's much more consistent than Denny is you know, I know we called out the the hyper focused in on the last three year, or three races, but if you go back, you know, eight races or so, uh, Blaney is much more consistent. We mentioned the seven top tens; like he's going to be there in a head to head matchup. I'm very big on guys that can show consistency because when you have people like Denny has had in his history at Vegas, where he does have some some rough finishes, uh, Blaney doesn't really have that. Um, so. In that, all you got to do is be one other guy type of mentality. I'm going to go with the guy who I'm really relying on, you know, that consistency getting into the top 10 and then just kind of hoping that the other guy runs into some issues or it just isn't on it like Denny has been in the last couple of years. So um, that's the mentality there. Then as far as the problems that we mentioned, I feel like pit crew problems are easier to solve than actually – having to get in there and, you know, manipulate or or make changes to the actual vehicle, that's a manufacturer issue. Like, that's a Toyota issue. That's not an 11 car problem, that overheating situation. So that, to me, you know, you could change personnel, you could talk about as a team, come together as a team, make decisions there. That seems more easily fixed than what we're seeing there with the mechanics of the the race car for uh, JGR and Toyota. Uh, So, that along with so far this year ryan blaney has shown much better speed through three races if we're talking all the way back to the clash denny hamlin's low on the list for a green flag speed uh so ryan blaney he's actually up towards the top in the top five or so so all those reasons are why i'm going to go with ryan blaney here despite the fact that hamlin's been hot in the last year or so at vegas so denny hamlin And Ryan Blaney, I'm going to go Blaney in the 12 car, is a slight favorite, minus 115. So now the last matchup that I have here for you is a matchup of totally even odds. Minus 110 apiece right now on DraftKings. This could change, you know, as the weekend comes around. But we've got Alex Bowman, minus 110, taking on Kevin Harvick, minus 110. So a battle of even odds. 
Now, that's what gets you thinking, right? Why are these two matched up evenly right now? Well, green flag speed, last week Bowman had some better numbers at Fontana. And the average finish in the last nine races at Vegas are actually similar. Harvick is eighth on the circuit, 14.6. Bowman right behind him at ninth, 14.9. So that right there, the odds makers are probably saying, yeah, average finish, they're right next to each other. Yeah, sure, even odds. Um, but other than the, the green flag speed so far this season and those average finish stats at Vegas, there's not much more that would make you believe that this is an even matchup. Um, it's really where those similarities come to an end. Because let's start with taking a look at Alex Booming. He has eight starts here and one top five, two top tens in that time frame. Meanwhile, Harvick, in his last nine, has one win, three top fives, six top tens. Harvick is fourth in driver rating out of everyone, 106.3. Meanwhile, Bowman, 87.3. That's good enough for 10th, so top 10 in that stat, but still much lower down the list than Kevin Harvick is. If you want to look at these two head-to-head, how they've been in the eight races that they've been on the racetrack at the same time, Harvick has a 7-1 lead over Bowman. And then 6-0 recently. So he's got a six-race streak going where he's finished ahead of Bowman. Uh, that, to me, is important. And then I mentioned that closer stat earlier, right? The, the guys that perform better later in the race, the pass differential, right? I think I threw it out there for Joey Logano. Well, let's look at the flip side of this. Alex Bowman is actually one of the worst drivers at Vegas in that stat. He's actually fourth worst. He loses 3.1 on average spots at the end of the race. That last 10% of the race, he's losing spots. And that's not somebody that I really want to bet on. You know, when I when I flipped the, the filter to try to see who was good and then who was bad, I was looking for big names. Alex Bowman's name was like glaring at me like, whoa, this is a big guy. And he's very poor in this statistic. So when I saw, you know, doing the math on who we're going to take or who the matchups are, I, I said, wow, you know, that's something to throw in there, something to consider, especially when you're going up a guy against a guy whose nickname is literally the closer. <laughs> I mean, at this racetrack, it's not fantastic uh, as far as that stat is concerned. But hey, for all those reasons that I mentioned, especially the 6-0 run that Harvick is on, even when Harvick's kind of having a down year, he still clearly has been better than Bowman at this racetrack. So for that reason, I don't think this should be an even matchup, and I want to take advantage of it while I can at minus 110. So lock me in, Kevin Harvick in that four car. And so to recap the full slate here for the head-to-heads, I'm going Chris Busher in an underdog pick, plus 100. Ryan Blaney, minus 115 as a slight favorite. And Kevin Harvick, minus 110, even odds. So to wrap things up on this week's episode, don't have any rants this week or anything to complain about. I'm actually very happy because I looked on the schedule and saw that on 9 p.m. Eastern time, Friday night, we've got a truck race. They're back. We did pretty well at Daytona with Zane Smith. And I, I wanted to dig into it a little bit. wanted to see, you know, what's the juice here in Vegas with the guys running the trucks? Friday night lights, you know, can't get any better than that. So... Looking into it, I, the first thing I noticed, uh, I was very pleased with, actually. So, Kyle Busch is going to be running in the truck 
race this weekend, this Friday night, and at Vegas, Kyle Busch is an absolute monster. The other thing that stood out to me was the fact that his odds to win the race were only minus 120. Now, that may seem very, very steep, right? Because to win the race, uh, you're looking usually at like plus 400, plus 500, like really good value, and minus 120 is not good value. But let me explain why Kyle Busch is minus 120 and why that's actually really good. Um, He's had five starts in his career at Las Vegas. One of them I'm kind of throwing out the window. Even though it was a ninth-place finish, it was all the way back in 2001 when he was driving for Roush. So uh, that doesn't really count this time around, I, I don't think. So then we go back all the way to 2018. Uh, he's got a four-start run here all the way up until last year. And those four starts have given him three wins and four top twos. Yeah. So three wins and one second place finish. Incredible. Three straight, actually. And last year, he went head-to-head with his own driver, John Hunter Nemechek, and uh, he stole that win from his boss, Kyle Busch. So that was a very big race for Nemechek. It was a good race for Kyle Busch, uh, but very impressive those numbers that we're looking at for Kyle Busch, when he races in truck races, there are times where he's like minus 250 to win the race. There are times when you can get a head-to-head matchup, Kyle Busch minus like 110 versus the field. All right. So that's basically what we're taking here is minus 120 versus the field um, for him to win the race. I already took it because I think that this number is going to go down as we approach Friday, as we see qualifying and everything. And even if Kyle doesn't qualify like on the pole or anything like that, that's not a reason to shy away from this if he's still at this number. Um, The only reason to shy away from Kyle this weekend on Friday night is if his number starts to creep up. But if it's still remaining at that minus 120 number, I'm really liking it because he's an absolute monster at this racetrack. When he dived into those trucks, it's... uh, you know, really, really like stealing candy from a baby. A lot of times he's uh, picking on these younger guys, but KBM, his company is actually just dominant in the spring race at Vegas. So I think we talked about Logano being good in the spring at Vegas. Well, so is KBM in the trucks. They have won five of the last six races. That includes wins from those three Kyle Busch had Eric Jones back in 2014 and John Hunter last year. So pretty impressive that that stable is able to, you know, really dominate this early season race because it's setting the table for their year. So they clearly have something going on early now. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek, since we're talking about him, he's the second favorite plus 400. So he showed last year that he was able to go out and get it done. He doesn't have historically great numbers at Vegas. Last year was kind of an anomaly, actually, if you're looking at it. But he was driving that eight truck for a while, you know, lesser equipment. In the fall race last year, he actually got caught up in a a wreck and had a dismal finish, 33rd. Uh, So it's not a sure thing like it is with Kyle Busch. But, you know, it is something to really look at because if it's not Kyle, well, who's it going to be? Why not John Hunter, just like it turned out like last year? Um, Somebody else to watch? 
Chandler Smith, another KBM car. He's plus 1,400. So he's kind of the forgotten KBM car. But I just mentioned how these KBM vehicles are all the rage at this racetrack. He's got three starts, one top five finish. He had a rough go last year. But this is a very solid driver. And driving that 18 truck, this could be a year where Chandler Smith breaks out. So, you know, if you don't want to throw money down on Kyle and you're kind of betting on, you know, other guys, why not somebody in Kyle's stable, just like last year? You know, John Hunter was able to get it done. Well, Chandler Smith at plus 1,400. If he were to shock, I mean, if Kyle wrecks his car, cuts a tire or something, all bets are off. Now these guys that have these huge numbers on them become very much in play. So plus 1,400 for Chandler Smith. But I do have a couple other guys that I want to call out here. Um, and some of these guys, like Chandler and John Hunter, for that matter, you really, we don't have the head-to-head -head odds out yet, but you really want to keep them in mind when we do see those head-to-head -head odds actually emerge, likely on Friday morning time frame. Um, so Smith is one of them. Christian Eckes is somebody that I really have circled. Um, not necessarily to win the race. He's plus 2,000 to win the race, but he is somebody to watch. Maybe plus 150 top five. That might be a pretty solid number. He has one win, which he did last fall, two top fives, four top tens, and his time at Vegas, his average finish is 8.8. .8. He has the best driver rating of all active drivers, 103.9. That doesn't include Kyle Busch. It's all the active cup drivers. So... I don't understand why his odds are plus 2,000. I would have thought he'd be up maybe with the Chandler Smith range. So great value to win the race. Again, going up against the monster that is Kyle Busch, I think that's kind of more of a farce. So look at that plus 150 top five number. That is something that I'm absolutely going to lock in. And I'm really keeping my eyes peeled for who he's matched up against because I think he's very strong at this racetrack. So as long as he's not matched up against somebody uh, ridiculous like Kyle, you know, John Hunter might make me hesitate, but uh, I think I still might take Eckes against John Hunter. So we'll see. Hopefully they have him in a head-to-head, -head and, and I'm going to look to jump on that. Two other guys here just to note. We've got Matt Crafton, the old Wiley veteran Matt Crafton. If you're a Crafton fan or you're Crafton better, it's the best because he drives the same paint scheme every time they're on the track that bright neon yellow 88 truck it's the best to to track him because it, you know bird's eye view the camera pans out you're able to see where you stand pretty damn quick so in his last 10 races at vegas five top fives eight top tens average finishes 10.3 he is plus 300 to finish in the top five there's value there because he finished three of the last four races in the top five so to me that's a great play, plus 300, um, really decent payout there. And, you know, again, somebody else to keep in mind, a lot of times they match him up against Stuart Friesen. I don't know why. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled with Kraft in a head-to-head -head matchup in addition to that top five play because he is, I mean, eight out of the last 10, top 10 finishes in a head-to-head -head matchup. That's what you're looking for, right? I mean, that's the consistency that we're talking about. Somebody who's just going to be there. He's going to put the truck, get good points day out of it, and, and be on his way. So a head-to-head matchup, uh, he could be all over that. The last guy I'll talk about is our current 
champion in the truck series, Ben Rhodes. He has one win, four top fives, and seven top tens in his last 10 races. 9.7 average finish. He's third in drive rating. And that third actually includes Austin Hill, who's not even in this race, I believe. So you can move him up to second in that category in the field this week. He finished second last fall. So minus 125 to finish in the top five for Ben Rhodes. That's interesting to me. You're, you're not getting a great value like you are with Crafton or Eckes there, but it's still worth, I think, considering because you, you look at, you know, all these guys, right? Kyle Busch, if you play it out in your head, like you think, it's going to work out. You got Kyle Busch first, maybe John Hunter second. Ben Rhodes could easily fill the, the third, fourth, or fifth spot. So um, minus 125 seems to be the right value, I guess, if you're the sports book. Just uh, whether or not you as the gambler feel like shelling out that money to make that worth your while. But keep him in mind for a head-to-head play because I really think that Ben Rhodes is someone that would get it done. It would be tough to choose between Rhodes and Crafton, I can tell you that. Um, but, you know, they are both very much in my wheelhouse this weekend, uh, and they're in my focus. Um, not to win the race necessarily, but those top fives and head-to-head plays. So give the trucks a look if your sports book allows it. I know it's state-to-state. It's a little bit different. Some people out there don't get the truck odds just yet uh, in, you know, the states that maybe are just coming about with uh, sports books being legal, but if you do get them, give them a look. Even if you're not really a huge truck fan, it does make Friday night interesting because if you can cash in, man, it pays for your weekend. So good luck with the trucks, and uh, hopefully we come out victorious once again this weekend. So that's going to do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thank you for listening. Go out and get those bets in early before qualifying if you really like them so you don't lose your good values. And let's not lose our shirts in Vegas this weekend, right? We want to go to Phoenix real hot right to the desert. So thanks again. Next week in Phoenix, we might have a a special guest joining us, a surprise guest. So keep your ears peeled for that. And we will see you then. Remember, drive fast, take chances. We'll see you next time. Have no place to go.